0: Of the Lord. How many of you know God brought you here with a purpose? Amen. Amen. That's four or five of us, so I'm excited about that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This morning, I want to share with you a message that I have entitled God's Space. God's Space. You know, we have a wonderful place called MySpace on the internet, glory to God. Some people don't have a real affinity for it and don't like it, but regardless of that, there is a place that is called MySpace, and the purpose of that place is for you to have your space on the internet, glory to God. You can put yourself out there, make yourself look pretty, hallelujah, make yourself look attractive, you can say whatever you want to say, but it's supposed to be, hopefully, we hope, right? That it is a true representation of who you are, but the bottom line, it is your space. You decide what's going to be on that page, what's not going to be on that page. And this morning, I want to share this with you because as I was reading the scriptures and I came to this area here in chapter 1, I mean in verse 1, and God asked this question to Isaiah. He says, where is the house that you will build me and where is the place of my rest? That like just stuck out at me. And so I said, Lord, you know, I, I want to share with the church what you're placing in my heart. I want to begin a series entitled Built to Last. Because it is important that we realize something. And this is the biggest reason why this stuck out to me. And I want you to understand this. And it is that you and I are needed in this earth. Did you hear me? You and I are vital to what God is going to do in the earth. You are not just some, just nobody who is here in this earth for no reason, but you are vital to what God wants to do in this earth. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, faith dome is needed. Not the name, the people. Hello, somebody. We're, 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 we're not just another church on the block. I, I need you to understand this. We're not just here by coincidence because, you know, Bishop thought this was a nice shopping plaza, even though I thought it was, glory to God. You know, I was like driving by here forever when I was, you know, when, I, when we first started the church, I would see the, you know, the, the shining, you know, little mirror-like windows here, and I was like, man, I would love to be in that place. Little did I know one day we would be in there, glory to God. Now we need to get out of here, hallelujah. <laughs> huh. But what I want to talk to you about is how vital you are, church. It is, it is so important for us to understand how important we are to the things that God wants to do in this earth. Don't just think that you're just just nobody. You're somebody important to the purpose and the plan of God. And God has brought you together with some wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ for us to cause havoc for the kingdom of darkness. He has brought us together so we could do something that would shake the nations, not just the nation but the nations. This is this is little old faith dome. Yeah, I'm talking little old faith dome glory to God because you've got to understand how great and glorious your God is. You've got to understand that if you connect with God there is nothing impossible for us to see him do. Amen somebody? But we've got to grasp that. We've got to grasp that God wants to do something with our lives. That We're not just here because we have issues. We're not is here because you know we got to go to church we are here with a divine purpose a divine appointment and it is important for us to ensure that we go on ahead and fulfill that and that we don't miss it hello that we get to where God wants us to be and that we do what God has called us to do. There is something that is amazing here when you read scriptures like this. And it is that as glorious as heaven is and as majestic as the throne of grace is throughout the scriptures, we find this peculiar theme and it is God desiring to dwell among his prized possession. Did you hear me? I mean, I don't know if you I don't know if you have read like the book of Revelation or you saw like Isaiah chapter six, when Isaiah has this glimpse of the glory of heaven and he sees this throne room that is just filled with glory and majesty. There are cherubim yelling from one side to the other: holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. And and the Bible says that these cherubim are so intense, so powerful, that as they begin to cry out literally the pillars of the temple are shaken. you want to talk about glory that's glory hello somebody you know you know what it takes to shake you know foundations and stuff i mean it takes some serious explosion and that's simply just the voice of the cherubim amazing glorious you see, you look in the book of Revelation and you find this throne room of grace and, these, and, 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 and it demonstrates these beasts, they call them, that are surrounding the throne and all of the, throne, all of the thrones of the elders and the people bowing before the Lord, crying the same thing in, you know, in the book of Revelation as they are in the book of Isaiah. Why? Because the same place, glory to God. It is eternity crying out how holy is but the book of revelation adds a few more songs as you continue to read throughout the book of revelation because what you begin to understand that no matter what is going on worship never stops Amen. hello You begin to understand when you read the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, I was talking to someone about this the other day. The book of Revelation is not just about future events. The book of Revelation gives us glimpses of what is going on throughout all of these events that are going to take place. And guess what? When you pause and you look at heaven, guess what's happening? Worship. You see the seal being poured out? You see these things? Guess what? Worship is going on. And it's important for us to notice that that is there for a purpose. It is to encourage us to let us know, no matter what you're facing, don't let your worship cease. Join with what is going on in heaven and usher in the kingdom of God and whatever you're facing. Don't get caught up complaining, worrying and all of this other stuff, but allow the Spirit of God to elevate you to the next dimension. so you can bring from that dimension, this heavenly realm, some stuff that is going to change this dimension. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. This is why the scriptures gives us or the scriptures give us a glimpse of what continues to go on because worship is vital to us. Doing what God has called us to do. So we have this wonderful theme. As glorious as the heavens are, you would think, why would God want to leave that place? Why, 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 why would God ask questions like, where is the house you're going to build for me? Why, 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 why would he ask questions? It's not because he wants a house. Because I'll tell you this later on. I'm going to repeat it so i say it now and i say it later on again. God is not looking for a house. He's not looking for an address with a zip code. Hello, somebody. That's not what he's looking for. He communicates clearly here. He says, he says where, where, where is the house you'll build for me? Where is the place of my rest? He says, I created all of those things, and because of me, they're created. But he says, but I'll look on someone, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But the reality is that he communicates a desire to dwell among his creation, men and women. There's something else that's amazing Because while the scriptures communicate this portion to us about God Not just in our Bibles Because I want you to know that you need to go a little bit further than your Bible To understand some things But the reality is that if you go through history of mankind Mankind has had an awareness of the reality of some divine being Whether it was the God Jehovah or someone else They understood that there was a divine being There was someone who was responsible for creating this Whether it was one God or many gods There was an understanding of this divine thing And there was something else that was in the minds or the hearts Of these people that you study throughout history And it was that there was some idea Came from somewhere I wonder where We're just going to know that it came from God Almighty Hello That there was a way to please that deity Hello They understood that there was a way To gain that deity's favor And there was a way to offend that deity Hello And what did they do? They would sacrifice stuff they're like, well, you know we gotta sacrifice this, we gotta change these things, we gotta stop doing this, we've gotta start doing this. We need to, you know, leave out. I mean, you know, some 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 religious, you know, situations leave out food for the gods so they can come and eat. Hello. Hmm. Like leaving cookies for Santa Claus and Christmas, you know. Uh-huh. But 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 hear me, church. <laughs> this is the reality that is seen in history. And so you know what our Bibles do and Christianity does? It brings these thoughts that we find throughout history together by doing what? By revealing the one true God and also revealing his sacrifice of his son in order to destroy the wall that separated us from him, the wall that came between us, which was sin. And doing what? It satisfied this righteous standard. So what everyone throughout history has been trying to do, please this God, please these deities. God says, hold on a second. Let me, let, let me reveal something to you I am the Holy One I'm the one who created everything that you see And what I'm going to do Is I'm going to send my son to die Because he is truly the only one Who can please me in everything Hello He comes He dies in our place And then gives us what? This wonderful relationship And today I want to encourage you church That it is time for us to build It is time for us to establish The dwelling place of the Lord In our midst It is time for us, and when when I talk about building, I want to encourage you because I don't want to just talk about the spiritual side of building church. It's time for us to get focused on what God wants us to do and not just, you know, the superficial things, but on a real level for us to start going out there and bringing the kingdom of God to the lives of those people that desperately need it. It's not, see, because here's the problem. The problem is that what I'll speak about in the next few weeks is going to deal directly with you and I personally and us building in our lives and building in our marriages and building and all of these things and that's very important but you know what church we cannot become introverted in our focus we cannot just be looking at ourselves looking at me 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 because it ain't about me 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 it's about him him and those who the bible says he is seeking and desiring to bring into his house hello See, that's the reason why we also need to make sure that on, on, on the natural level that we make sure that we're sowing into our building project. Amen, somebody? Because what are we going to do with all of them we Are going to sit them on our shoulders? Look around you. There's, there's a few empty seats, but there's not a lot. If everybody in here, I just think about this for a moment. If everybody in here brought one person to Christ, what would happen? Would, would we fit in here? No? So look at how awesome that is. We could have a mega church in like two weeks, glory to God. All you got got to do is reach, everybody be committed to reaching one person for Jesus. Church doubled, right? Amen. Okay, now the next week, let everybody that's in there commit to reaching one person. What's going to happen? The church just quadrupled the glory to God from where it is now simple just easy mathematics and you know what you ain't got to go out there and think well I got to win the whole world because you know what if you win one person one person guess what happens you touch more people than you'll ever realize think about how many families and how many people are represented just in our group of people right here a whole lot of folks that's how world evangelism takes place church hello so God has this desire for us to do some things and the first thing I want you to notice and please repeat this after me say sacrifice And sweat will never amount to a dwelling place. Notice what the scriptures teach us here. In verse 3, he says, He who kills a bull is as if he slays a man. He who sacrifices a lamb, as if he breaks a dog's neck. He who offers a grain offering, as if he offers swine's blood. He who burns incense, as if he blesses an idol. And so we see these things here, the killing of bulls, the sacrifice of lambs, the offering of the grain, and the burning of incense. these four things that we find here, these were all commanded within the law of God. God made it clear, I want sacrifice. And you know, it's not that easy just to, you know, you're going to sweat a little bit and making these sacrifices. But what God communicates, he says, listen, those sacrifices, that, don't, that doesn't make a dwelling place. As a matter of fact, those things make me ill. Hello? This is what he's saying. He's saying the sacrifices that you're making, the things that you are doing, they make me ill. Why? Because they're not pleasing to me. Why are they not pleasing to me? Because God is not just looking for external action. He's looking for an internal commitment. He's not just looking for you to do something on the outside to make a show of it. Hello, somebody. To let everybody know how spiritual you are. How devoted unto the Lord you are. How walking on water you are. Oh, yes, I am. All of these wonderful things. Mm -hmm. In whose eyes? Are you all of those wonderful things in the eyes of the Lord? Or are you just all of those wonderful things in front of some folks? So he communicates to them and says, listen, that's not the way that it is. When we look at the Old Testament, which is what, he, what he's talking about here and this sacrificial system that he established for, Isra- for Israel, the greatest purpose of it was this. It was to be a constant reminder of God's holiness and their lack of holiness. This is what it was. Every time they brought that sacrifice to the altar, they realized we depend on you every time they brought a sin offering, every time they brought a trespass offering, every time they brought a thanksgiving offer, a waiver, every time they brought all of that stuff, it was a constant reminder. Morning and night, all the time, it was a constant reminder, he is holy, we're not. Hello? But that wasn't supposed to be the end, and that was the problem. The problem was sacrifice became the end of their devotion to God when sacrifice is supposed to be the beginning of your devotion to God. Pastor Lewis, when he was preaching a couple of weeks ago, and you've heard this, when you come to the altar, it is the place where sacrifice begins. Is that not what he said? Amen? And so we understand that it's the place where sacrifice begins. And I've often said this, this is not the end or the finish line, but this is the starting line. Because when you come here and you lay down whatever you're laying down, then guess what? You turn around and when you walk out of here, you need to start walking day in and day out, step by step, moment by moment, decision by decision, in alignment with the one that you came to the altar and made the commitment to and now walking away from what? Because, see, here's the thing that we got to realize is that when I, as a human being, come to the altar to lay down a sacrifice, to lay down something and say, Lord, this is your situation. You're gonna deal with this You're gonna take care of this Guess what's gonna happen Even though you came to the altar And tears ran down your face And you were sincere And you were honest And and, and true to God Guess what's gonna happen When you walk out of this place There's gonna be the temptation To try to pick it up And fix it yourself Did you hear me? Oh we've all done it. it It's not just one of us Or two of us All of us that have ever been to an altar It don't got to be this one. Could have been the altar in your house when you got down before the Lord and you said, Lord, I can't handle these bills. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean sit at home and don't work and just wait for the manna to fall from heaven. That ain't what I'm saying. Because, you know, some people are crazy like that. That's not faith. That is ignorance and laziness. (laughs) Hear me. You need to get up. Go look for a job. Glory to God. Believe he's going to provide and order your steps. He didn't say I'm going to order your sitting. The sitting of the righteous who are waiting on me to provide. I'm going to make up scriptures right now. Because that's what folks do. Listen, listen. No, no, no. We, we, we lay it down and we say, God, I'm going to let you guide and direct me. And you know what? We take it back up. Oh, you know, these kids. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You love our children. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This inheritance that you've given me. Lord, I leave them in your hands. Hallelujah. And you want to lay hands on them quickly. Listen. We do it with our husbands. We do it with our wives. We do it, we, we, we do it with our job situations. Hello. hmm Lord, I leave those coworkers. I leave that boss right here, Lord. Work with them. And then you steady, open mouth, insert foot trying to prove something, trying to help God in his business, mm-hmm. right? Trying to assist him. God, I don't know. Maybe you didn't hear me, but I'm going to show you what I mean. You know you know how it is. I, 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 God, I'm just helping God. I, I just want to give you a little head start. Mm-hmm. Listen. There is that tendency that we all have to try to pick up those things. But the altar is the place where sacrifice begins. So when God was talking to the people and telling them about these sacrifices, he was saying, when you walk away from that sacrifice, your heart should be tied to me now. Hello. Your heart should be committed to me and letting me get glory and honor out of your life. But that's not the way that these people were doing the thing. And here's what happens. When your sacrifices, those things that you do become the end, they're not the beginning. You know what begins to happen? Hypocrisy begins to spring up. Because now you become this religious-minded person instead of a person who is connected in relationship. So what is our responsibility well, according to the New Testament, in the book of Romans chapter 12, and you've heard the scripture, my, one of my favorite scriptures, and chapter 12 and verse 2 tells us, or chapter 1, tells us that we are supposed to be living sacrifices. What is a living sacrifice? It's a little different because now I lay down this thing on the altar. I lay down this thing before the Lord, and now I live my life daily. I I make my decisions daily. I do the things that I'm doing with what? A constant recognition that I am doing this not to please man, but to please God. I am doing this not to just give people an idea that I'm good, but I am doing it because I want to bring glory and honor to the one that I am connected to to the one who I am laying my life down only because he laid his life down for me first. That's what a living sacrifice is. And you know what a living sacrifice also does? It is constantly checking its heart to make sure it's not impure and that was the problem with the children of Israel here that was the issue with the people who were, who the prophet was speaking to that they were not considering the condition of their heart and he goes on and says in verse 4 look at verse 4 I'm sorry we'll go to the middle of verse 1 after he says he who burns incense as if he blesses an idol it says just as they have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations so will I choose their delusion and, will br- and bring their fears on them because when I call No one answered. When I spoke, they did not hear, but they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I do not delight. And so, what happened was they thought by them bringing these sacrifices, that was going to appease God. But God said, I want more than your sacrifices. I want your ear when I call. I want your attention when I'm drawing you. I want your obedience when I communicate to you. He was saying that. See, and we do the same thing. We think, well, you know what? I come to church, so I'm good. Coming to church is not good enough. Hello? Well, I'm going to up the ante. I'm going to come not just on Sundays, but I'm going to come on Wednesdays. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Getting deep into the things of God now. Hey, I'm going to raise it to the next level. I'm coming to men's meeting and women's. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Getting deeper. Covenant cup, we're, we're there. Hallelujah. But is that enough, church? Is that enough? Well, I give my tithes. Isn't that enough? Isn't all I got to do. I got to come to church on Sunday, get my tithe. Isn't is that enough sacrifice? Hello, somebody. What about all the other obedience throughout the week? What about the devotion? Where, 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 where is my prayer life throughout the week? It's sad when, when, when the only time that you really pray is when someone else bows their head in a church service. It's, it's tough today, glory to God. I was going to let Rolando preach. He said that he might offend some folks, but I said, it's okay. I'll offend them for you. Glory to God. You see, we're quiet because it's the truth. See, and it's okay because we get caught up in religious stuff and God is asking the question, where's the place of my rest? Because when you do cry out to me, Remember what I was, I, I was saying in, in, in the Bible study in my house a couple of weeks ago. I said, there's a whole lot of Christians. You know what? They're not going through persecution like the Apostle Paul was. They're not going through situations like that. The hardships they're facing is because of, of decisions that they've made that have led them to where they are. Hello? You know what happens a lot of times? A lot of times we don't get the awakening we need unless we go through turmoil, through trial, through difficult situations. You know why God lets that stuff happen? Because he wants our attention. Because he wants to draw us from where we are to bring us to where he wants us to be. Important for us to grasp this reality. So the first thing that we understand is that a dwelling place is not going to come out of sweat. It's not going to come out of sacrifice alone. The second thing, please repeat this with me. Our heart condition will either invite or reject the presence of God. I said I would say this earlier, so i repeat it again. God does not and will not dwell within the confines of a building. He has manifested and does manifest in places, but we, you and I, have got to understand the difference between the manifestation or manifestations of God and God's habitation. There's a difference. See, Here's the thing. And the problem is that for too long, too many of us, we have cried out, we have fasted, we have prayed, we have done all kind of stuff asking God for a manifestation of his presence, a manifestation of his provision, instead of us becoming the habitation of God. Your habitation becomes an environment. The habitation becomes the dwelling place, the place where God is. And that's what this whole building is about. This is why we're taught, this is why I'm speaking about built to last. Building a place where God can dwell in your life. Building a place where you're not just crying out to God for Him to come through at a moment, but you are crying out to God so that way you will be able to see His glory on a continual basis, that you will be able not just to see His glory for you but carry his glory for him. See, that's the difference. When we are only crying out, God, show me your glory, we have not arrived to the place that we need to be because we have got to come to that place where we are concerned more than just seeing the glory that we have seen and experienced, we have touched, and we've tasted the goodness of God, and we desire above all things now to carry that glory with us. See, there's a difference, church. And what we have got to be is the habitation, the place where God dwells within the earth. And he gives us some examples of things that he looks to. If we look at verse 2, it says, for all of these things, after he asked the question, where is my house that you will build and where is the place of my rest? For all those things, my hand is made and all those things exist. And so he's saying that him he's saying, listen, nothing that you can build came from you. It all came from me. Nothing that you can create didn't come from me. Anything that you have came from all all of those things are because I have given you them or I've given you the ability to do those things that you're doing. And he says, but on this one will I look, on him or on her who is poor and of a contrite spirit. In another translation, the word for poor is the word humility or humble To be contrite is to be broken. This is what it means. Humility and brokenness are the opposite of pride and self-reliance. When you're humble, it's the opposite of being prideful. When you're broken, you're not relying on yourself for anything because you realize where your provision came from. You realize where your ability came from. And so he says, I will look on the one who is humble and is broken. To be humble means to be gentle. It means to maintain a modest opinion of yourself. Hello, somebody. It doesn't mean walking around with your head down, oh, I'm so humble. <laughs> that's, a pro- that's probably a good indication you're not really humble. Hello, somebody. That's false humility. You know, You're trying to show your humility, and that's really pride. Hello, somebody. That, that, that doesn't mean walking around like, well, I can't do anything. That's just, that's ridiculous. Hello. It's okay. You, you, it's, it's okay to be confident in what God has given you. If God has enabled you or given you a certain ability, a certain, it's okay to be confident as long as you're not allowing that confidence to turn into arrogance. Hello. So we have this thing that we need to have this humility to be gentle, to have this modest opinion. And the word brokenness or contrition, it means to be penitent over sin, be it your own or the sins of others. He says, this is the one that I'm going to look upon, or this is the one that I will dwell with. Well, it didn't say that, Bishop. Okay, I I know it didn't say that. Now hold your place there and go back to Isaiah 57 with me. Isaiah 57 and verse 15. When you got it, say so. And look at what it says. It says, for thus says, verse 15, I'm sorry. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Did you see dwelling there? He said, I dwell in the high and holy place with. In other words, he is saying that where I am, you can be. If you're humble and you're broken, you can be where I am and I will be where you are. It's an awesome thing. Because in there there are some moments in our life where we are going through valleys. And can I tell you something, church? Even when you don't feel the greatest, God Almighty is with you if you're humble and you're broken. Hello? And there are moments in our lives where we feel like we're flying on clouds. Glory to God. Nobody can touch us. We are just all in a, in a whole nother level. And you know what? It's beautiful because as long as you maintain humility and brokenness, you are there dwelling with him. And so the dwelling place is where we want to make sure that we are and we want to make sure that we are that dwelling place. These attitudes, when you have the attitude of humility and brokenness, you know what it does? It turns your sacrifice into devotion and dependence on God. And as I was praying, this is one of the things that that the Lord really laid on my heart. And it is that God will only dwell where he is needed, where he is dependent upon and revered as being supreme in all areas. Did you hear me? God will only dwell where he is needed. And he's not needed because you say, Lord, I need you. God God, God is not looking at your words. Lord, I need you, but you want to do everything you want to do. Hello. That's exactly what they were doing. That's exactly what the scriptures say. The scripture says that they continue to delight in the things that were not the the, the things that God had had called them to do. So what does that mean? That means for us that we've got to realize it's not enough to say I need you. We have got to live a life that demonstrates Lord, I need you. A life that shows him and communicates that. A life that depends on him. See, when you have that modest opinion of yourself, you want to know when that modest opinion is going to come in? It's going to come in when you come to the realization that the only reason why you can do the things you do is because the almighty God has allowed you to. You're going to come to that modest opinion of yourself when you start to realize the only reason why I have anything that I have is because he provided it for me. That is the way that we maintain this modest opinion. It's not by you. Around, i'm just going to maintain a modest opinion of myself hello that's not going to happen that way but it's by getting a intimate revelation that is consistent it's not it's not good enough listen to me church it's not good enough to have a revelation one day of god we need to have a revelation of god every day how do we get that revelation every day bishop that's too spiritual it ain't too spiritual hello somebody He invites you to come into his presence. He clearly says it. It it, it isn't just a song we sang today. He says it clearly. He says, if you will draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Did he say you can only do that once a week? This principle is only good for two times a month. Hello. Is that what he said, church? No. He said, if you will draw near to me, I will draw near to you. But then he goes on and says some other stuff there that, you know, we don't like to talk about. He says that we need to cleanse our hearts, cleanse our hands. We need to cleanse our mind. We we need to cleanse ourselves before we, how do we cleanse? It's called repentance. Hello. What did I say? Humility over here, contrition, brokenness on the other side. It is being penitent over sin. It doesn't mean you walk around crying over sins you committed 20 years ago. Did Did you hear what I just said? We, we don't need to go into God's presence every day and cry over the sins that he's already forgiven us for. That's not what he's asking for. He's asking for us to be penitent over the sins we commit daily. Hello, because we all commit sins daily. But he's also asking us to be broken over the sin that surrounds us. Do so you remember what I said earlier? Not just about me. It's not just about you. What about this world and the condition that it's in? Are you just desensitized, doesn't matter what goes on, things just happen and it's like whatever? Or does this stuff break your heart? When you see the things that are not just, when you see the things that are hurtful, that are going on, when you hear the reports that are out there, whether it be in the news, whether, wh- whether it's something you're reading in the internet, when, when you see, do, do, does something move your heart? Because if you don't, we need to repent, church. And we need to say, God, give me a heart that is broken, not only over my sin, but over the sins of those in our nation, in our world, that are offending you and dishonoring you. That's what God is looking for. The third thing, please repeat this after me. Trembling at God's word is the key element to successful building. Turn back to Isaiah 66, please. And look what he says. He says, to this one, I will look in verse 2. I will look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Who trembles at my word. Here's something that we got to realize when we're talking about building, and it is that we cannot effectively or efficiently build without a plan. If you don't have some kind of plan, you're going to be going over there, you know, whatever. I've tried to do it. You know, you're just going to make something. Mm -hmm. Not going to happen. Even if you don't write the plan down, guess what? You got the plan up here in your head. There's some plan that can't. You didn't just start, you know, go and decide, well, I'm just going to build a house. (laughs) There was some kind of plan that's going to help you build that house. You need to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you're not going to be effective. You're not going to be efficient. You're going to be wasteful. And I want to say this because we need to understand that. This, and it is that God is not into abstract building projects. Did you hear me? He, he, he's not into those projects that are just about feelings, you know, and just, you know, just out there. No, 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 no. Because, see, that, 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 that's the New Age Christianity. Did you hear me? Uh-huh. I, I, know, I know that was offensive. Glory to God. That's the New Age Christianity. What we do is we just go by our feelings. It feels good. It feels like it's God. Therefore, it must be the Lord. Hello, Somebody. God is not into that, church, because you know what? There's some things that we've got to go through that don't feel good, and they're God. Did you hear me? There's some things that we've got to experience that are uncomfortable, and we have to go through them. And they are as much God as the glorious times that we have in his presence where everything feels good. Where everything is wonderful, where there is no pain, there are some things that we have to go through. And you know what? Here's the bottom line. Whether it feels good or whether it feels bad, can it be supported in this Bible? Did you hear me? If you can support the pain in the scriptures, glory to God. If you can support the pleasure in the scriptures, glory to God. But if it can't be supported here, then I can't vouch for none of it. Hello. But while God is not into the abstract building projects, God is into the exact building projects. God has given us the blueprints for every area, for every decision, whether it's marriage, whether it's raising our children. We just went through a series that was like 11 weeks long Talking about by the book. And we dealt with stuff going from worship. We talked about parenting. We talked about being a Christian. I mean, we talked about all of this stuff. We talked about being a child. We talked about everything. Why? Because it is found right here in the scriptures. And if we will simply say, God, here I am. I want you to build in me what you want to build. I don't want to build my own thing. I, I, I don't want to do what feels good to me. I don't want to do what seems good to me. I want to make sure that I'm aligned with this plan. And here's the reality, that our respect for the architect or the engineer will keep us focused on the plans they provide. If somebody were to come to a builder and tell them, listen, man, I want you to go on ahead and use these plans. The first thing that builder's gonna do, is this a certified engineer here? Is this somebody who has been certified by the state to go on ahead and make these plans? And you know what else they're gonna do? They're gonna look at some references and be like, who is he? You know, who has built some stuff from his plans? Why? Because there's people could just throw all kind of craziness in these plans, make stuff difficult, stuff is not up to code. Hello, somebody. And then what ends up happening? Then you end up being delayed in this whole building project. Listen, church, God doesn't want us to be delayed. He wants us to walk into what he wants us to walk into. He wants us to get there without being delayed. But it's up to us to go on ahead and allow him permission. Say permission. It's something that I, I was I was able to do last week or, or the week before. I was able to sit down with the city of El Vito and we had this conversation regarding this property that we're looking at and you know all excited you know to go in there. We got some little plans that we're going to present to them. And when we sit down with them, you know it's all a pre-application meeting. In other words, you sit down with them before you submit your permit application. Why? Because when you submit your permit application, everything in your permit application has to be complete. Everything within your plans has to. Line with certain things certain guidelines that are there so what do you do you sit down with the building project committee and you talk to them you say okay here's the plan here's what we want to do we want to build this we want to do this we're going to have this many parking according to this, this many seats and all this you know they, they, they have all of these things that, that you've got to figure out in your engineer but if you have an engineer that don't know what they're doing guess what's going to happen you're going to keep on coming back and see here's the thing the pre-op meetings this is what the lady said she says that they, they say it all the time when you go in there these meetings are free You can come in here and you can have as many of these as you want because once you stop with these and you start paying every time you have a meeting with us, it's going to cost you money. Did you hear me? So they say, what they're telling you is, look, take advantage of this right here. Take advantage of these meetings. Make sure you sit down with us. Let us review your plans. Send them to us. Give us a couple of weeks to look at them so we can come into this meeting and we can do what? We can critique your stuff and we can say, hey, this is not in line. This is not right. This this doesn't align with the code there. And it's all for what? So you can get a permit. Hello. So you can do what? So you can do what is in your heart. See, it's the same thing with our God. You know what our God does, church? It's real simple. He goes on ahead. He gives us the blueprint, you know, because we all got Bibles in the United States of America. Hello, somebody. And if you don't, you can see Norbert. He's got a Christian bookstore. He will hook you up. Hallelujah. Some of us got three, four, five Bibles around our house. So God has given us all kind of blueprints, all kind of translations. Glory to God. Make sure that we can read it, make sure we can understand it. And you know what we're able to do? We're able to sit down with us and the Holy Ghost and we're able to read over what His blueprints are. We're able to see what is permissible, what is not permissible. We're able to see what is in alignment with Him, what follows His codes. We're we're able to do all of that stuff. And you know what we get to do? This this is the beauty of this. this. This is the wonderful thing about your God. This is how much He loves you. Hallelujah. He gives you preachers, He gives you teachers. He gives you pastors. He gives you leaders to do what? So you can come and you can sit down with them and they can help you to evaluate, where am I in this building project? You get to come in every Sunday, and this is free. Hallelujah. Every Sunday, glory to God. See, this. See, see. every Sunday you come to church, every Wednesday you come to Bible study, every men's meeting you go to, every women's meeting you go to, every covenant couples event you go to, youth services you go to, all of that stuff is free, church. But you want to know what? There is a day that we will all come before the judgment throne of God, and that ain't free. Did you hear me? Because we will either enter into eternity to be with God for eternity, or we will be separated from God for eternity. There's no, you know, place where you're just going to be chilling just to see what happens. Ain't none of that happening, church. Did you? Did I, I know y'all are gonna get excited about that? But this, this is this is the reality. The reality is that all of this right here, we 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 we're, we're walking this out. We get to check our lives. We get to see where we are. We get to see how we're doing. We get to make the decisions. Okay, Lord, I'm going to permit you to do this. Or, Lord, you know what? I'm not going to. You make those decisions. He's not going to make them for you. Hello? We make the decision. But there's going to come a day. The ultimate price is going to have to be paid from us, church. And either Jesus paid that price on the cross for us, and we're walking covered under that blood. Or, you know what? We're going to try to figure it out on our own. And I want to let you know, if you ain't covered by the blood, you're going to have issues. The last thing that I want to say, and I'm getting ready to close. When you look at trembling at God's word and what it means, as I said earlier, the architect or the engineer, our respect for them will keep us focused on their plans. If we truly respect the architect, we're going to focus on what he says. These scriptures here are the blueprints for our lives. To tremble at the word of God, what does it mean? It means to be moved to respond. It means that when you hear the word of God, something inside of you is moved to respond. If you sit there and you hear the word of God preached week in and week out, if you hear the teaching of the word of God and you are not moved to action, you, my friend, do not tremble at the word of God. Did you hear me? That is plain and simple. If there is nothing inside of you that is stirred to action, you don't tremble at his word. Here's another thing that you can measure because it, you, know, you may just not like the preacher or you may not like the teacher, which is wrong anyway, but, you know, that may be it. But here's the other question. The other question becomes, what do I do on a personal level with the Word of God? Because if you are a person who is really trembling at the Word of God, that means that you will study the Word of God. That means that you will meditate upon the Word of God. That means you will memorize, no matter how difficult it is, you will memorize the Word of God. That means that when you hear the preaching of the Word of God, you may take notes mentally, you may write them down or whatever, but you are testing that Word to make sure that what you are hearing whether it is from me in faith dome or from one of the pastors in this church or whether it's from somewhere where you go or someone on television you are not just sitting down idly letting stuff come up inside of you but you are going on ahead and you are testing it if you are a person that truly trembles at the word of God that's how you treat the word of God so that's my question is are you trembling at this word Because he says that if we tremble at his word, if we have this brokenness, if we have this humility, then he is going to do what? He is going to go on ahead and raise us up to that place of dwelling for him. And this is where we want to be, church. It is vital. It is vital that we use the correct building material to ensure a successful and lasting building. We're talking about being built to last. Building a place for God's dwelling. That's not going to last a year. That's not going to last a month, but that is going to last until we enter into eternity. Building material is important. Why do I bring this up in conjunction with the word of God? Because we find this, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 13, verses 8 through 18. God is speaking to the false prophets and about their false prophecy. And he tells them and and he's talking to them about these false words of peace and prosperity and all of these things that these prophets are saying. And he goes on ahead and he gives a correlation and he talks about those who build walls and they use something called untempered mortar. Or they call it plaster, whitewashed plaster. And basically what that was supposed to do was it was supposed to help the wall to maintain its position. And this is what God says. God says that those who are building these walls, the storm is going to come and those walls are going to fall down. The foundation is going to be revealed that it is the wrong one. Hello. Important, church, that we're using the right building material for our lives. The word of God is the building material that we need to build strong marriages. And when we talk about a place for God to dwell, listen, we're not just talking again about just me as an individual. But my home, is my home the place that I am building for God to dwell in? Is my workplace the place that I am allowing God to dwell there? Am I creating an environment in which God can dwell? Am I doing the things that God has called? This is what we have to ask ourselves church are we doing the things that the creator has called us to do and why is this important for us to talk about building i was looking at a video the other day and it was it was sent to me i, I get this thing's called one news.com or whatever and they send you all the you know the news that that would be important to preachers and things like that the different things that are going on and, and in one of these things that came to my to, to my attention they were talking about a certain group that they are, you know, talking about trying to, you know, you, you, you know the whole story right now with the whole marriage and homosexuality and all of that stuff that is going on. And anyway, what ends up happening is this person who is a leader of the, uh, or one of the leaders, not the leader, but one of the leaders, you know, one of the spokespersons for this group that is, you know, trying to bring, um, you know, homosexuality into an equality with marriage, you know, in that, that 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 that's not that's not in the bible did you did you find that in the scriptures anywhere i didn't find it but anyway okay okay so we move on right but here's here here's why i bring this up because this is what she said she said and it's going to be a little graphic but here what i'm going to say she said that her agenda is to communicate that homosexual sex is moral She didn't say right. She didn't say okay. She said moral. And I am quoting this person. I am not. I'm not making this up. I am quoting this person. I was going to show you the video, but I don't want to go through all that trouble this morning. But hear me. Hear me. This is what she said. And she clearly, clearly outlined and said, you know, when you talk about a husband and a wife come together, everybody gets all googly-eyed. And her agenda is to get everybody all googly-eyed, no matter who we're talking about. Listen to me, church. Why is this important for us? Because if we don't have a dwelling place for God, that kind of stuff is going to continue to move in. Did you hear me? If we are not the building that God is building, if we are not the people who God is dwelling in and moving through, guess what? All of these voices of false prophets, because that's all it is, all of these voices of lying spirits are going to do what? They're going to rise up and sound like they got all of this truth. Why is it so important as well? Because at the end of her speech, you know what she said? She said that she's ready to engage in the war. See, most of us Christians, we're like, oh, we're not in war. Listen to me. And she said, so I'll quote her, she said, the war is not over there in Afghanistan, it's right here. And what war is it that she's fighting? She's fighting a war to indoctrinate our children with falsehood. Did you hear what I said, church? Do you understand why it is so important for us to be the dwelling place of God to ensure that we have a place that is God's space within our lives, within this earth? This is why I started the message with the whole thing that you and I are vital to what God wants to do. You want to know why? Because there are a whole lot of folks that call themselves Christian that will not speak up because it is not politically correct. Hello, somebody. Listen, I'll I'll take it even further. I'll take it even a step further. If they get their way, what I just said in the last two minutes could get me fined and thrown in jail. Did you hear what I just said? Listen, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about going to jail, glory to God. My wife is, hallelujah. She's like, I don't want my to have to visit him like that, glory to God. Listen, if it's for the, as long as it wasn't because I got in trouble, hello, you know, breaking, you know, the law in a, in, in, a, in a way that violates scriptures, hello? I'm not worried about that because God's got my back and if he's got me going in there, then it's because the, he wants me to preach the gospel, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Father, don't let that law pass because I don't want to, <laughs> I'm going to miss my bed and my wife, hallelujah. I'm going to miss this wonderful church, glory to God. But listen to me, listen. If we don't create a true dwelling place for God, a place where God can dwell, a place where God can speak, you want to know what's going to happen, church? We're going to have issues that we don't want to deal with. We're going to have immorality being dressed as morality. And it is our responsibility not to hate people. I don't hate this person. My heart is grieved. Because the enemy has so deceived their mind that they believe the lies that they're saying to be truth. Did you hear me? That's the heart that we have to have. So my question is, to each of us in this place, how devoted are you to God's space in your life? How devoted are you? How much time? I said it earlier. How much time? In each day, not in your week, because, you know, we throw it out there and say, well, how much time in the week? No. How much time in your day are you spending in prayer, whether you're on your knees, standing up, laying, whatever? How much time do you spend before Almighty God? How much time in your day are you spending before his holy word, humbling your heart before his word? That's creating his space. How many times in a month, I'll throw this one out there, or a year, do you separate time just for fasting, just to seek his face? How much time do we do that, church? I know there's some of us that, you know, we can't make it to prayer time, you know, on Sunday morning because we got, you know, situations that are going on or whatever the case is. Okay, I understand that. But let me ask you this. Do you unite in faith with your church because you know, you know what, at 9 o'clock they're in prayer and I want to be in faith with them praying and seeking God's face. This is not just some religious time, church. This is the time that we come together to do what? To cry out to the Lord. To seek the face of Almighty God. How much time are we really creating that environment for God? How much time do you spend, and I'll say it like this, within your week, You don't have to do it every day. You should do it every day. We should do it every day. How much time do you spend witnessing to others, creating an environment for God to move in? How much time do we really spend praying for our brothers and our sisters? Because, you know, we might spend 30 minutes of prayer, and sometimes in those 30 minutes of prayer, we don't ever leave ourselves and our families. We forget about our brothers and sisters in Christ that are going through hell just like you are. Hello, somebody that are going through trials just like you, that have needs, that have worries, that have situations, that have burdens. We forget about them. Listen, you could increase your prayer time by like an hour, hallelujah, if you decided to get to know the name of every brother and sister that is in here and you just spent two minutes praying for each of them. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? Hello, somebody. And can I tell you something that is one of the most humbling realities? The reality is this. One of the reasons why we don't see, or the reason, Why we don't see true revival in our day is because we're really not seeking him like we ought to. Listen, we can fake it all day. Hear me, church. We can fake it all day long. We can tell everyone, yes, prayer is a private thing. Mm -hmm. It's so private, you don't make it. Listen, we talk about those questions. Those are the ones that are important. If we were really seeking God as much as we portray we are, we would see his glory in this earth. If we were really seeking God the way that he deserves to be sought, we would truly see his glory in the earth. And so the only reason... Why we're not seeing the glory of the Lord is because we are not seeking his face as he commands us to. And so that's the whole premise of this message for the next few weeks. And I pray that you will be here to continue to be challenged and to continue to be changed. That we will be able to get to the place that God has called us to. And above all things, church, that we will be able to be that church that is building for the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Bow your heads, please.